Welcome into another edition of College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. Sorry we missed you last week. We normally throw out a podcast uh, every other week. I was knee-deep at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Had a blast there, but it paled in comparison to what my uh, partner, Brentley, did. Congratulations. Now a married man, folks. He is off the market. Uh, but in all seriousness, I hope it was everything you uh, and your bride were looking forward to. It was, it was the most perfect day, Burko. A lot of people had, had told me that it was going to be, be great and the best day of my life. And it, it just, it, it didn't, it didn't even like my, my expectations didn't, didn't even come close to what ended up happening. So it, it was just, it was unbelievable. And I'm, I'm so happy for, uh, you know, the, the future and moving forward, but it's, it's good to be back with you as well. Likewise. Well, I'm glad it went well. And uh, if you guys have kids one day, what what you just had will be magnified by 100. So I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> that as much as your wedding day is amazing, the day you become a parent. But, that, you know, let's have fun. We'll have that conversation in a few years if you guys go down that road. Uh, but congratulations to both of you. Happy and thrilled for your futures. A lot going on. We're going to get right to it. Special guest, Alan Bratton, head coach of Oklahoma State, joining us. He, too, along with his Cowboys, were in Augusta. Nice performance. A little fun on the back end. Alan, always a pleasure to catch up. And congratulations on a heck of a final round and a big win for your team. Yeah, that was great. But, uh, man, I didn't know Brentley just got married. I I thought we had a good weekend. But uh, good for you. Congratulations. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What have been the challenges you and your program have faced? Obviously, everyone in college golf has to do things differently the last 14 months or so has been a challenge, but particular for you guys in Stillwater, how have you been able to navigate the waters of hopefully the back end of this global pandemic? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that we've had anything any different than anyone else, but um, just kind of the, un, the unknown each week as you go into tests before your team travels, you know, we've had to do some things differently in practice and a little bit differently on the road, but, Uh, The most nervous I've been all year is when we go in and and wait on those uh, test results each week because you don't know uh, how many of your guys will will be taken out. And you see a team like Kansas was 
leading at uh, one of the tournaments out in Palm Springs and had to withdraw because of COVID. And, and uh, we've been fortunate so far, knock on wood, that um, we had some guys get it in the fall, but, but they recovered and did their quarantine and things before we started playing. And we've been fortunate uh, to be clean so far all, all this semester. So uh, that's really been kind of the scariest part. The rest of it's been normal of, of uh, just trying to develop your guys and, and sort through the depth that we have to make sure we've got the, uh, the best five guys in the lineup every week. Alan, you've, you've coached some pretty great teams over the years. And with that, obviously, your players get opportunities to play tour events. And this week was no different. Austin Necro uh, competing at the Valero Texas Open. When you win it, an event without one of your best players in the lineup, does, does that give you guys even more confidence than, than winning with, with your full strength or is it about the same? No, I think it does give you more confidence and it's great for both sides. You know, this week it's easy coming into this year, Austin, you know, is obviously our leader and he's a great leader and um, he could feel a lot of weight on his shoulders, feeling like he has to, you know, shoulder too much of the load. So to, for him to see our guys step up and be able to perform, you know, they've already started to show him that through the years, but, or through the year, but it's more confidence for him to know he's guys have his back. And then for those guys, it's great for them to see that uh, without their leader, uh, they were ready to step up and, and run down some good teams being, being behind Pepperdine going into the final day. So good all the way around. And, uh, you know, I just thought of it as you were saying that we, we had the same situation a couple of times uh, a few years ago. We won in Cabo without Victor Hovland and all the way back to 2011, I think it was, we played a couple of times without Peter Uline because of the same kind of situation and we won each time. So uh, maybe we should just leave our best player at home each time. Maybe that's the strategy, <laughs> but uh, but. Uh, no chance we're going to do that. We're, we're a better team with Austin in the lineup for sure, and we're excited we'll have him uh, this coming week in Arizona. I remember last summer talking to Eugenio Shikara when he transferred from Wake uh, to Oklahoma State, and he seemed just very excited to get to Karsten Creek, be around a program with so much history, be around so many great players, what, what have you noticed from him in these few months, or I guess it's been six to seven or eight months since he's been in Stillwater. What have you noticed out of his game, how he's been able to mature, maybe not only on the golf course, but also um, mentally as well. Yeah, he's, he's uber talented. Um, potential for him is through the roof for, you know, the immediate future and, and long-term as well. So uh, but super emotional, you know, typical Spaniard. And uh, we've spent a lot of time working on that and holding him accountable to uh, hopefully continue to, to, you know, build on who he is, but get him to think like a winner and maintain uh, a more stable emotions and focus on what's in front of him, not behind him. And he's improved his putting in a huge way. Um, the kid really, really works hard and he's been a real pleasure to coach. He's fit in wonderfully with the other guys. He's been a great teammate. And, uh, obviously part of being a great teammate is, uh, posting low numbers 
and he's made a, a consistent habit of that. So couldn't be happier to have him as a part of our program. And uh, just, he's a, a kid you can't help but love. He's at the course super early every morning, loves golf, uh, been very helpful with helping his teammates improve their short games and just whatever, whatever it takes. He reminds me a lot of Pablo Martin and the way he plays the game. And uh, like I say, he's, he's just a pleasure to coach and really exciting to watch. Anyone that was watching the live stream uh, the other day that they did for the tournament uh, got to see him hit some great shots down the stretch, including driving it right into the center of the green on 18 uh when we had a two-shot lead and ball went just over the green and for an easy birdie but uh that's a really fun hole the 18th hole there you can drive it but there's out of bounds five steps left of the green mm -hmm. but he had a phenomenal shot there and and uh fortunately i had a front row seat for all the shots he hit this week i walked with him every step of the way and and uh, we had some fun out there and hoped he could win the tournament but he fell just short but he certainly helped uh, lead us to victory Boy, I just had a flashback, Alan, almost two decades ago of Oliver Wilson playing for Augusta, driving that 18th green to ultimately get up and down, make three to beat then top-ranked Clemson. We're going back 0-2, So, uh, yes, that finishing hole, uh, pretty exciting and, and uh, glad that worked out for you guys. Calendar says April. Obviously, a lot happens from late August through May. But how do you go about it each and every year for this six-week stretch coming up? Do you deviate at all depending on what your team dynamic is like or through the years as a head coach, have you sort of maintained, quote-unquote, the same game plan for the postseason, which is just around the corner? Well, we pretty much take the same game plan, but, but obviously you do things a little different from year to year depending on your team's makeup. And our focus every year is just, again, we're trying to prepare for the end of the year and we do every single day what we think is in the long-term best interest of, of the program and then that year specifically and then down to each individual on the team. So uh, we try not to get up caught up in, you know, so much what's happening today. It's it's a long-term approach all the way around. So we've done that this year and just tried to get our guys to focus on continuing to improve. And uh, that won't change ever that, you know, when we lose sight of that, then, then we're certainly going to underperform. So uh, we're excited about what's to come. We've got some great golf courses ahead. Uh, we're going to go out to Phoenix next week and uh, play ASU's tournament. While we're there, we'll slip over to Greyhawk and, and get in a practice round. So those guys, get a preview of of what's to come that was as close to the championship as we could get over there and uh so that that'll be nice uh, for the guys to see for the guys that haven't played it before and for the guys that have to re-familiarize and then we'll get ready for the big 12 championship and prairie dunes i got a couple more for you alan but what uh Real quick, what was the what's been the scouting report you've you've heard about Greyhawk? I've I've heard a few things, but I'm curious to to know what what you've heard from other coaches and players. I haven't asked. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, is we're, that we're well. Well, I've been there many times, and and um, and our guys have too, and well versed in prepping for a course, um, you know, in short term or long term. So again, we'll we'll prepare like we would any, any other way. 
Um, I didn't think it made sense to go out there in the fall or early spring because I think it'll be quite a bit different. Ball's going to go farther. Ground's going to be firmer. So, you know, we're going to get to play it. Uh, what we're playing at uh, April 14th, I think. So within a month of the championship, um, we've played a little more desert golf over the last two seasons. So I thought that was a way to help prepare. Um, you know, we've been to Cabo, we've been to Palm Springs, we've been to Tucson and we're playing in Phoenix. So I thought that was a good way to prep, but um, we'll be ready to go come May. And, uh, but now I haven't asked much about what's going on out there, but, uh, but I, I'll, we'll start scouting it out next week. I could answer the question better next week. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was just going to say, I think other coaches are looking at those two straight wins and maybe uh, be hesitant to give you some, some pointers heading in there. <laughs> I'm but, certainly uh, not going to share any with them. So I don't bother asking, asking them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, th this program from, from Ricky Fowler to Uline to Morgan Hoffman, Niebrugge, Wolf, Hovland. There's been so many great players. I'm just curious if you have a story about just how competitive things can get at Karsten Creek, whether it be in qualifying or just, you know, casual rounds or competitive rounds at home. I mean, is there any super ultra competitive story um, since you've, you've been around that program or maybe even during your playing, playing days, maybe it was even involving you. Um, you know, I can remember from our championship year. I mean, it wasn't at Karsten Creek, but uh, in 2018, we were leaving um, San Diego, I think it was. And we had dominated the tournament. We won by a bunch and um you know, we were flying privately on the way home. And uh, I remember uh, uh, Austin didn't play very well. And he said something like, what is, what does that score get you or something like that. And I remember Zach Boshu communicating to him that, you know, he wasn't going to have a seat on any planes and, unless he uh, started posting a little better scores. So Zach was always a good leader in that way. And, and Austin's easily coachable. He usually follows instructions and he certainly has uh, continued to get better from that point and was a huge part of our success from that point on to the rest of that year. So um, our guys have done a good job of that. They've embraced the competition over the years. And um, but uh, I'm with and again on you there. I don't have any any great story from uh, qualifying scores at home, but I know the the depth we have this year has certainly played a part in uh, helping our guys get ready. And uh, we had a playoff for the last spot to get to go to Augusta um, at the qualifying before we went. So I know that helped uh, prepare Rasmus uh, for the week in Augusta and he, you know, contributed and it was everybody across the board. We've got five guys I felt like that were capable of winning the tournament there, and, and uh, they didn't, but ultimately that, that helped us win. That is the KG veteran coaching verbiage from Alan Bratton that Zach communicated to Austin what he needed to do. He didn't tell him. He didn't mandate. He communicated. So I, I can sort of just uh, let my mind wander a little bit, Alan, on that. Before we let you go, I'm watching the bottom line ticker a couple of weeks ago on ESPN, and I saw 
Mike Holder will be stepping down as AD uh, in the coming months. One of the greats, if not greatest college golf coach of all time. He coached you. He's been the AD for 16 years. What has he meant to OSU and Cowboy Golf? He's been a fixture there for more than 50 years. And to see him sort of ride off into the sunset, if you will, uh, I got a little emotional when I saw that ticker because uh, Mike Holder is synonymous with everything you guys do that we do, and he's been a big part of it. Yeah, he's um, – you really can't even quantify the impact he's had on our university way beyond the golf program. And the best way I can describe him is he's an example of excellence every single day. Uh, if he's doing something, he's doing it well. Uh, he didn't have to tell you. He shows you and continues to do that as the AD – uh, he sets the highest standard, hold him, holds himself to that same standard. And again, he's impacted beyond athletics. Um, what, he, what he did as the golf coach and then as the AD fundraising and, and just our entire fan base, again, being that example of excellence and that inspired giving to the academic mission of the university as well. Uh, from Mr. Pickens and others and the way they did that energized our entire university and changed Oklahoma State forever. So uh, anyone that has anything to do with Oklahoma State University um, owes a big debt of gratitude to, to Mike Holder and, and uh, he's not going anywhere. He may not be leading the department anywhere, but uh, that means I'll get to see him every day and, and he can coach <laughs> me up uh, like he's been doing basically every day since I met him in, in uh, 1989. So uh, again, I'll get to be, see that inspirational uh, up close and personal a little more often now. And uh, that's always been a good thing for me. So uh, I, like I say, the impact he's had on me and everyone else is, uh, is pretty awesome. And it's been cool to hear other head coaches at Oklahoma State talk about the impact that he's had on them uh, just as a leader and that example of excellence every single day. Yeah, I didn't want to completely ride him off into the sunset again, just sort of taking a step back. And another pop uh, thought popped in my mind, sitting with him years ago, talking about the excellence that is Oklahoma State, the eight national titles that he was a coach of. And he's like, I want to tell you about the seven that I didn't do a good enough job to get my team across the finish line. It floored me. You've known it for 30 plus years, Alan. I've gotten to know it for about half that or two thirds of that. Uh, he, his standard uh, of excellence that you said it perfectly is, is just remarkable. So I look forward to also hopefully spending a little more time with uh, coach holder down the road. Uh, we won't keep you any longer. We appreciate it. Congratulations once again to you and the team. Keep it rolling in the desert, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out in Greyhawk uh, a little over a month's time. Yes, sir. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. And uh, just let me know anytime you want me to come on. It's always a pleasure visiting uh, with both of you. Appreciate well, it, Alan. Uh, have you on next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm in. <laughs> thanks, Alan. All the best uh, the rest of the way in the uh, regular season and the postseason as well. That was. Uh, Alan Bratton, head coach, Oklahoma State men's golf team. And Brentley, Alan and I are the same age. We've sort of run in similar circles for so long. But 
to hear that 18th hole there. Uh, I'm drawing a blank forest Hills, right? That's where they played the Augusta event. I remember Oliver Wilson and, and Augustine Clemson. Uh, but I had to bring up the Mike Holder. The guy is the, the standard. I mean, Dave Williams, Houston, every bit is good, but for what Mike Holder has done for so long and think about it, a college golf coach becoming an AD done it pretty damn well for the last 16 years. That's incredible. I, I, I was thinking as you were talking about Holder, uh, we, we should have him on, uh, you know, a little bit later this, this season, because uh, I'm sure if anyone's got the best stories in college golf, it's, it's Mike Holder. Oh yes, he does. It does. Although the, the best, best storyteller of all time, it's Richard Sykes, longtime NC state men's golf coach who can tell you some stories that involve Holder, but that's, that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, we're glad to catch up with Alan. We appreciate him joining us. Uh, we'll sort of quickly whip through the next uh, few minutes, some, some college events, um, their brethren down the road in um, Norman, Oklahoma, one in Naples, Florida, a heck of a um, heck of a performance by the Sooners, a great final round to push them through the finish line. And they are now really positioning themselves, Brentley, uh, I think to be a formidable squad here in the next month. The, the Sooners are, are very deep, very experienced. Uh, was, was talking to, to someone today, actually, uh, at the Masters about, um, you know, if, if there was anybody that, that could challenge Oklahoma. And from the experience department, I just don't see another team. We just had Alan Bratton on. I think Oklahoma State is a very young and, and talented team. There's some other young and talented teams in the country, but no one matches the experience of Oklahoma. Yeah, you think about the fifth and six-year seniors they have. I still think Jonathan Brightwell is the biggest addition um, to any national power. I, I, I think he's the wild card, in my opinion, and he continues to throw up top eight, top 10, top 12 showing. So hats off to them. Um, we're starting to see it all come together, you know, of the teams that are sort of in the mix. And we've got what, uh, this is a Tuesday night, it'll air Wednesday. We got one more day uh, in Birmingham, a lot of SEC, some ACC, some uh, Carolina flavor, uh, and Tennessee and Clemson tied going into the final round. North Florida hanging around. It's, it's sort of time for someone in the SEC to step up or maybe an ACC team make a statement. Just, just throwing that out there. Yeah, Tennessee is a team that we saw last fall at the Blessings who finished. Didn't, they were right didn't they, there. Yeah, they, they, they were, they were yeah, runner-up or third. I think Hunter Walcott was, was runner-up. But uh, I'm looking at the leaderboard now. Bryce Lewis uh, has himself a seven-shot lead. And, he, and he's a player who a lot of people don't know about. He's got a lot of talent. Tennessee was the team that I, I always thought last fall could, could be the one, the last team standing out of this conference. And they kind of took a step back toward the end of the fall coming into this spring, but, but they're, they seem to be turning it on just at the right time. And we'd be remiss to not talk about North Florida. Uh, th this is a team out of the Atlantic Sun Conference who – a couple years ago had a very experienced team with four seniors, three of which hadn't missed a, 
a tournament their entire career. Scott Schroeder had to replace a, a, a ton of rounds. Freshman Nick Gabriel sick. He's won twice now. He won the hate a couple weeks ago. He's just he's he's the freshman of the year, and in my opinion, and, and he's made this team um, into a, a a squad that could could make that top thirty, could make it to nationals, and uh, you know who knows, you know, put together a good week and maybe uh, flirt with a, a match play spot. I mean, obviously they got a long way to go. I'm not saying that North Florida's a match play team right now, but they're certainly a lot better than I thought they'd be coming into this season. Yeah, no, worth worth keeping an eye on. Again, we said it with Alan Bratton. It's April. It's here. I mean, the postseason is just around the corner. You're going to see conference championships getting going in the next 10 to, you know, 12 days um, on both the men's and women's side. And as we sort of quickly flip to the women's, I was at the Augusta National Women's Amateur for year two of that tournament. Man, what a treat. In 2019, we saw Fossey and Cup Show sort of battle it out. And this go around, it was a little bit of everything. There was a point in time on our broadcast, four, five, six, seven players tied for the lead on the second nine. I mean, you're sitting here saying, what's going to go on? And we saw some pivotal moments, both good and bad, from the very best in the world that Rosang had issues on 13. Olivia Mahaffey had issues on 12. And you sat, you waited, you wondered, and you thought, oh, my goodness, Amelia Miliaccio, who had finished an hour before the leaders, <laughs> might, might win this golf tournament. And, and she did get in the playoff, but um, it, it really is special to, to see that on that venue with the commitment Augusta National is making. Um, boy, that was a heck of a time. Had a blast. I almost thought we lost a golf channel intern there for a second with Amelia uh-huh. making the playoff, you know, <laughs> but uh, no, I, 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 uh, I got to Augusta national on, on, on Sunday afternoon, got to the media center for the first time Monday and they were showing highlights. And I obviously watched it on Saturday, got back from the honeymoon, watched it. But I, I remember just glancing Monday morning at the replay and they showed the leaderboard and just looking at the names from Lynn Blad to Racine Bouchard to Miliaccio to Rosang Mahaffey. If, if, I mean, it, it was just like, I remember telling someone, I mean, this would be like if Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Rory McElroy were all in like in the mix on the back nine Sunday at the masters. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize just how good that leaderboard was. And it's just incredible. And I, and and that shows you the amount of talent. And, and I've told people this as well, that the talent in the women's college game right now at the top is, is, is better than the men. I, I, and, 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 and I'll say that. And, and, uh, you know, I, I have, I have no, you know, doubts about that with, with Pauline and Ingrid and Beatrice Wallen and Maya Stark, there's just there's so much talent and a lot of these women are going to be on the LPGA very soon. And another interesting thing um, you know, that that I heard this week at Augusta was Bubba Watson talking about watching it and how his six year old daughter was inspired by watching that in the drive chip and putt to go register for the drive chip and putt. I, I, I think we can't measure it yet, but when you look back five, 10 years from now, there's going to be so many girls who 
grew up watching this in elementary school years in these formative years that because of the ANWA, because of drive, chip and putt, because of initiatives to raise up women's golf, they're, they're going to be inspired to play. And it's going to be very interesting to see down the road how, just how many girls were inspired by watching Jennifer Cupcho or by watching this year's edition or editions to come. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, that's the basic premise at the grassroots level, inspire, you know, uh, create, uh, give people opportunities. And, you know, the drive, chip and putt, my five and seven year olds were watching it. And Have they signed you know, up yet? We're, we're teetering with it. Luke at seven, he's now young enough or old enough rather. And it was somewhat alarming to see some nine-year-olds. Now I think they might even have been 10 because everyone sort of got a pass from last year. They were invited. They were hitting it like 220 yards and at seven what? Luke did. Oh yes. Oh yes. No. <laughs> Luke what? asked me, he's like, he's like, what numbers will be on my grid? I'm like, what do you mean? Because he got caught up uh, seeing 150 175 you know again oh, if man. we stripe our sunday best we, we might get a buck a buck 10 um so he was a little but once i told him it would probably be like 50 and 75 and 100 for him he was a little bit more relieved but you're gonna uh, find gotta, like some some protein shakes in his backpack or something like that he's gonna be chasing distance like bryson it was it was remarkable to watch, uh, and I'm glad we did. As you said, you got there Sunday. I was able to get home Saturday night after the women's amateur, so we sort of tagged out. You've got the Masters covered. I'm heading to Pasta Tiempo in a few days. Uh, a great event. We're happy that's on our air again starting next Monday uh, through Wednesday. West Coast heavy, as you would expect. Um, you heard Alan Bratton saying he'll be out at ASU's event. I mean, this is it the time to wrap up so uh you know in our next uh, pod we'll, we'll we'll sort of transition to the postseason but i know you might have a little parting shot little uh note for the road before we wrap it up you wanted to get out there yeah i'll, I'll actually give you two one uh i had a good time chatting with ollie osborne today the smu player runner-up at the u.s amateur who will be playing in the masters obviously he's one of three amateurs that'll be playing a little bit Smaller amateur amateur field. I actually went back, uh, spent about twenty minutes flipping through the all the results from past years. And would would you believe that there's never been fewer than than three amateurs in a masters field? And only twice before. Can can you name the years? The years where there were only three or less than three. Well, there there's never been less than three, but the years where there was only three. There's only been two more other than this year. I'm going to say it was recently because for a long time, the entire Walker cup team got invites. So I'm going yeah. to say it's happened in the last decade. So it was 2008 uh, trip Keeney, drew Weaver and Michael Thompson actually played. I believe that was the Colt Nose year where he won a couple of, of events that earned him exemptions and then he turned pro. So he didn't use yep. it. Um, and then 1942, Bobby Jones, Marvin Ward and Charles Yates. So all right. that's I mean, pretty, that's good. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, I know for, they had a run of, if you made the Walker cup team, you got invites and yeah, there was one year where there was like 20 something amateurs. Yeah. It's like almost a third of the field. The, the, uh, a funny thing is Ollie is it, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday night. He's staying in the crow's nest tonight. So um, he's obviously a big dessert guy. So he's uh, 
he'll, he'll probably end up going down there and getting a little taste of that peach cobbler and apple pie from, from the champions dinner. So they got to lock the good. door because, because Ollie's going to be, they, they might have to order some extra ice cream, but uh, <laughs> second parting shot quickly is, um, I mean, we talked about the, uh, the Calusa Pines event uh, hosted by Iowa. Uh, the individual title went to John Pack from Florida State, ties the school record for wins. So I talked to him a little bit tonight, and he's saying how he's got that, you know, the next few events circled on his calendar, his last few events of his college career. He really wants that record. I mean, obviously, a national team title would mean more, but it's always nice to to know that you've left a mark on a program. And that was one of his goals to, to leave a mark. And I think he already has, um, I think now with this win, he has, he's only finished outside the top 10 once. And that was a T 12, probably play, player of the year right now, or at least on the, on the very short list. I know he was, he was on our short list a couple pods ago. Um, but he, he's, he's just been the model of consistency I was asking him about the the difference between this team and the past couple teams because believe it or not, he's never played in the NCAA championship. He missed by one as an individual as a freshman. Florida State missed by one that year as well, but never been at an NCAA championship. And he said adding Vincent Norman, the D2 top-ranked player, that's really pushed him. It's pushed the teammates. And, of course, the him raising his level of play has conversely pushed everybody else. So it's just uh, – you know, we've talked about it before. Florida State's very good, and John John Pack is rounding into form and just in time for the Walker Cup as well. Absolutely. Eight wins for John Pack, tied now with Nolan Henke, the most in Seminoles history. John Pack's a Jersey guy. I'm good with that. We'll, sort of <laughs> de- we'll deviate uh, from our college allegiances in the state of Florida. Hey, you picked uh, Rutgers. Rutgers, right? Man, I'm still heartbroken. They had Houston beat. For 36 and a half minutes, they outplayed them. Now, I'm not saying they would have run to the final four, but that bracket was set up for a double-digit seed, and that killed me. Well, just want to give a shout-out because I, I'm, I'm a recently married man. I, I understand that you have to give your wife praise a lot, um, and it's always good to publicly give her praise on a podcast that a bunch of people are going to listen to. But she won her her bracket pool. I, I was talking a little smack to her because her, I was like, this bracket is is not very good. You're gonna have to make some adjustments. And she's like, no, just keep it. She had Loyola over Illinois. She got the final right, Baylor over Gonzaga, and she won her pool. So congrats to Paige. <laughs> I mean, you guys are off and running. Uh, kudos to my wife's uh, Wolverines. They made a really nice run. I thought the loss to UCLA sort of stunk. And then you saw how UCLA gave Gonzaga all they could want. Uh, and I was sadly right about my Gators that they wouldn't get past the first weekend. They didn't. Quick note, Alan Bratton shared with us, uh, Victor Hoblin's going to be the guest speaker at the amateur dinner at Augusta National on Wednesday night. So that tradition continues. Uh, That's going to be that, epic. Yes. <laughs> I yes, can't imagine what, what advice Hobby's going to give to those guys. They better listen. He's turned out to be a heck of a player. Uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Thank you for the pass on last week. Again, we were a little busy. We will continue to ramp it up throughout the postseason. Congrats again to uh, you and Paige. All the best for the next 50 years or so. Enjoy Augusta. I'll enjoy Pasatiempo, and we will reconvene soon.
Take care, folks. We'll see you on the next edition of College Golf Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.